Hi, friends, and welcome to All Things Relatable, a place where stories are shared. It's hard to put a value on a story because the lasting effects it can have are often priceless. An individual's story has the potential to impact our lives in tremendous ways. My hope for you in joining me today is that this episode resonates with you and that you leave enlightened, ignited, and inspired because it only takes one moment to spark a change and leave an everlasting effect. My next guest, Saul Blinkoff, dreams big. Ever since he was a little boy, he wanted to work at Disney. In fact, it was the mer- it was the Little Mermaid movie that inspired this dream. Here comes the spoiler alert. His dream came true, and not only has he worked for Disney, but DreamWorks and Netflix have also been added to his resume. When I heard the story of how Sal got into Disney, I was blown away. Once you hear the story, you'll understand why he's one of the select few that made it. When Sal was once in a room full of over 700 other top animators, they were all told that probably only four of them would make it to Disney. And instantly, Sal thought, who are the other three going to be? It was that mindset paired with a determination and a willingness to seize every opportunity that allowed Sal to experience the Disney, the magic of Disney from behind the scenes. This is one incredible story, one that is film worthy, if you ask me. So you're going to want to get your pen and paper ready so you can take some notes and soak up all of the greatness. Sal, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to dive into your story. Thank you, Candice. Um, I am so excited to be here. And uh, what inspires me from that intro you gave, which was so great. Thank you for that is the fact that you have an audience here that's shown up to listen. And uh, I I never take it for granted. You know, whenever I have an opportunity to share some of my story, uh, my goal uh, is always the same. I hope that when your listeners hear this story, you will relate it to your own lives and walk away with tools to be able to help you achieve whatever greatness you uh, set and dream in your life, whether it's working on your career or uh, a better marriage, or you want to be a better parent, or you just want to wake up uh, a little happier every day. That's always my goal. And it's such a pleasure for me to be here. Thanks for having me, Candice. Yay. I'm so excited. I know my listeners are just going to be lit up after listening to this episode. Um, so can you take us back to your childhood? How old were you when you watched The Little Mermaid? And what was it about that movie that planted the seed of inspiration that led you on your path to Disney? Yeah, great question. Um, You know, it's amazing. We watch movies in in life and sometimes we see movies that change our lives. You know, Uh, you watch a comedy, you laugh, you turn off the movie, you go back to your life. But sometimes when you watch those movies that make you cry or they're emotional, you're just forever different. And sometimes you see a movie at a certain point in your life and it's like the right movie for the right time for what you're going through, you know? So for me, yeah, The Little Mermaid was really the movie that cinched it. It's made me want to be a Disney animator. But if you even go back a little before that, the movie that really started it all for me was E.T., the Steven Spielberg movie. And, uh, you know, I was 11 years old. I was in the theater watching that movie in New York. You know, I didn't grow up in Hollywood. I didn't know that you could be a filmmaker. I just went to the movies like a normal kid. And I was so emotionally involved in that story and the music. It was incredible. And I remember tapping my mom at the end of the movie. And I'm like, mom, that's what I want to do someday. And she's like, what, you want to leave planet Earth in a spaceship? I'm like, no, mom, (laughs) 
I want to be a filmmaker. And like I said, I didn't know how to do that. So I went to the library. I got books on cameras, lenses, storyboarding. I found out the director of E.T., Steven Spielberg, made movies every weekend with kids in the neighborhood. So I got a video camera and my sister and my older brother. And every weekend I was making movies and I was going to be the next Steven Spielberg. That was my goal. And then I got to high school, Candace, and somebody came up to me in high school once and they said, well, what are you going to do when you get out of high school? I said, well, I want to be a filmmaker. They said, no, you don't, because if you want to be a filmmaker, you're going to have to move out to Hollywood. And Hollywood, they said, is filled with strange, weird people. You don't want to end up like that, do you? I said, no. And I'm telling you, Candace, right then and there, I gave up on my dream of wanting to be a filmmaker because a person would told me I would end up some strange weirdo. And when I tell you that story right now and I think about it, I, I, I think, why would I listen to one person? And I'm sure some of you are listening right now. You're like, why would you listen? You have a dream. Why would you listen to what one person tells you? You're going to end up some strange weirdo. Because the truth is in life, sometimes we are so impressionable and we do allow other people to change the trajectory of our goal, whether it's to encourage us or to bring us down. And so I gave up on wanting to be a filmmaker. And my parents like, well, what are you going to do? I go, I'll go back to drawing because that's what I really always did since I was a little kid. I mean, six years old, I was drawing. I was always an artist. And then I saw The Little Mermaid. And when I saw The Little Mermaid, it made me go, wow, <laughs> that's what I want to do. I remember the credits were all. I said to my mom, that's what I'm going to do. She's like, what, you want to fall in love with a fish? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I said, no, mom, I want to be a Disney animator. So there I was, a junior in high school, and I knew I wanted to be a Disney animator. And specifically what it was about that movie that really enticed me was that music and that animation and the color. And when you heard Ariel sing the song, Part of Your World, in the beginning of the movie, and there's this one lyric where she says, what's a fire and why does it, what's the word, burn? And when she says burn, she takes her hands and she puts them on her chest and she like cinches, clenches her chest, closes her eyes, puts her head back. And she's not singing about wanting to understand fire. She's singing about something that all of us can really relate to. It's I want to understand life. I want to be part of it. I want to be part of that world. What does it mean? I want a life of meaning. I want a life of purpose. And when she said that and those words burn and, and put her hands to her chest, it's like her whole soul was involved in what she was singing about. And I found that incredibly relatable. I also want to live a great life like you, Ariel. And then the animation was animated by Glenn Keane, who's like the Michael Jordan of animators, the greatest Disney animator that ever lived. And to see those expressions and her movement, it was incredible. So there I was, junior in high school. And that was my dream. <laughs> wow. Okay. So then what were the steps? Like, okay, you, I, I love how you bring up that you can be influenced. Words are so powerful. And sometimes we kind of forget that when we go into conversations, because that one other kid that said, oh, you don't want to go to Hollywood. Oh, I guess I don't, I don't want to be a weirdo, but the same thing could happen when you have somebody on the other side of it. Like, yeah, you want to go to Hollywood. It's phenomenal. It's amazing. Like it depends what words that you are given. You can take them both and run with them. So I think, yeah, we need to understand our world. Our words can be so powerful. So then you came back to the dream. You found Ariel. So 
What was it like then now that you had this inspiration again, how do you get on the path to Disney? What led you there? Yeah, that's great because, you know, it's one thing to sit, wake up and have the clarity that we know what the goal is we want to achieve. But how do you get it right? Especially a goal like that. I mean, that was a lofty goal. You know, I didn't, by the way, I never knew anyone that woke up and said they wanted to be a Disney animator before. I didn't know any people in that world at all. This was like some kid in New York saying, I want to, you know, be an astronaut. Like what? It wasn't, it wasn't in my reality. So my mom took me on a trip to Disney world to walk me around Disney world. This is before the internet people, right? Today, you want to be a Disney animator. You go to Google and you type in, how do you become a Disney animator? And you'll get the answer. But this was before the internet. That's right. So my mom took me to Disney World and she's walking me around Disney World, going over all of the Disney uh, people that work there, the employees. They're called cast members. And she goes over to all these Disney cast members. And my son wants to be a Disney animator. I remember we're getting on the It's a Small World boat ride. We're like stepping on the boat. And the woman in the, at Disney's like, how many in your party? We're like two stepping on the boat. And my mom's like, by the way, my son wants to be a Disney animator. Can you help him? You know, and the woman's like, man, this is a boat ride. So. Um, we go on the boat and uh, afterwards, the woman says, look, if you want your son to work at Disney, he's got to go to the Disney casting building. That's the building, the office building that Disney interviews everybody that works for the company here in Florida, at Disney World. So my mom takes me to this building it was a couple minutes away from where we were in Disney World. And can you imagine what a Disney office building looks like? How beautiful it was. It was whimsical. It was colorful. And the doorknobs look like the ones from Alice in Wonderland, the ones that speak, and they were made out of brass. And I opened up those doors, and I stepped into this atrium, and there was a gold statuette of Mickey, Donald, uh, Roger Rabbit, I think. Dumbo was one of them. And even the air in that lobby, I will never forget, it had a smell, like this incredible you know, pixie dust in the air smell. Like Disney has like everything about it. It's the happiest place on earth. You know, even the smells are like, wow. And I go in there for an interview and the woman says to me, she says, well, wh- what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'd like to be a Disney animator. She says, well, we don't hire those here. I'm like, well, who do you hire? She says, well, we hire people that work the rides. We, are, we, we hire people that work in the parks. We don't hire animators. And I was really let down. She goes, but hold on a second. She gets up and walks out, comes back in a minute later and hands me a piece of paper. And I'm telling you, Candace, that piece of paper was the most valuable piece of paper I ever held in my hands. It was um, a list of eight art schools that Disney recruits their artists from. She says, if you want to be a Disney animator, you need to go to one of these schools. Well, that was it. That was the recipe for how to achieve what I want. You know, you go to a great restaurant, you taste an unbelievable dessert. You want to make it at home or you can do that if you have the recipe, right? If so many times in life, I'll meet people and I'll ask them, what's your goal? And some people who know their goal, I'll ask them, well, how are you going to achieve that goal? And so often I hear, well, I'm not sure how. I'm not sure how. How many times have people like message me on Instagram? Like my dream is to do a voice in a Disney movie. How do I do it? They don't know how to achieve what they want. The first step after you understand what the goal is, is we need to know the recipe of how to achieve it. What are the steps? Just like you asked me, Candace. Well, that piece of paper was the recipe. That was a list of eight art schools that Disney recruits their artists from. And for me in my head, the equation was really beginning. Saul plus go to one of these schools will equal dream 
of becoming a Disney animator. So my mom took me to each of these schools on a tour to see which would be a good fit for her son. So I go from one school to another. And I remember I get to one school in Columbus, Ohio, and it's the Columbus College of Art and Design. And the artwork on the walls was unbelievable. I mean, it was really some of the best artwork I'd ever seen. And I said to the guy touring us around the school, I said, wow, your seniors are so talented. And he looked at me and said, Saul, every piece of artwork that you see on the walls was done by our freshman class. I'm like, what? They're a year older than me and they're a hundred times better than me. I, I was intimidated. I was intimidated. And I literally thought for a minute, why would I want to go to a school where if I went to that school, I would have been the worst artist in the school because everybody was leagues ahead of the level I was in. Um, but I did choose the school because, you know, I, I have a I have a theory. I don't care if you're two years old. I don't care if you're 120 years old. You could be from, you know, Florida, Italy, Alberta, L.A. You could be from anywhere in the world. The truth is every single one of us wants the exact same thing. We all want a life of greatness. We all want a life of awesome. We all want to have the best lives. We want to have the best careers. We want to have the best friends, the best marriages, the best kids. We want to have a lot of money. Why? Because if I have money, I can do what I want and I can have the best life. We all want that. So how do you get that in life? You know, I grew up in the 90s. My hero was Michael Jordan. Today, you know, a lot of people say LeBron James is the greatest player. But for me, it's Mike, number 23, Air Jordan. And there's a true story told of Michael Jordan. He's in the NBA the first year. He's already Air Jordan. There's sneakers after him. He's got money, posters around the world. Michael Jordan is a hero. And a sports writer comes up to him after one of his first games and says, Michael, you are a scoring machine, but your defense is not so strong. And you know what Michael could have said? He could have said, I'm going to listen to you. I just made a million dollars playing basketball. I'm going to listen to you. But Michael said in his mind, he heard one thing. Something I'm doing is giving that guy the perception that I don't have a defensive game. I guess I better work harder on defense. And he did. And next year in the NBA, one player was named Defensive Player of the Year. Number 23, Michael Jordan. You know why he was great? Because he didn't just know what he did well. He saw any of his weaknesses as an opportunity to grow. If you watch any Netflix special on anyone that's achieved anything great, you know what they'll all have in common? That they all found their flaws and turned them into their strengths. If we're going to grow in life, we need to know what our weaknesses are and not run from them, but embrace them. Embrace the discomfort of working on them and turning them into strengths. And when I went through the halls of that school, I was reminded about all my own weaknesses of how not good an artist I was because I saw this artwork that showed me what re the real level of art should be. And even though I was intimidated, I said, you know what? I want to get better. And if I choose a school like that, I surround myself with people that are better than me, then I'll get better. And I chose the school and thank God they chose me. So, you know, woo, first day I school. <laughs> yeah. And I remember that first week, um, you know, I was in Ohio and I never been to Ohio, never been to the middle of the country before in the United States. And I walk into uh, one of the guys rooms down the hall from me. And I remember so vividly 
he had Mickey Mouse slippers. And I'm like, what kind of guy wears Mickey Mouse slippers? He had a Mickey Mouse bedspread, Mickey Mouse telephone, Mickey Mouse lunchbox. And by the way, the guy was not in the room at the time. I just peeked in and I just saw all this Disney stuff. Every Disney movie posters on the wall. It was literally Disney World in a room. Okay, and I I look in the corner and I see he's got sketchbooks. So I pick up a sketchbook and I'm looking through it and I see he's got drawings of Mickey Mouse, tons of drawings of Mickey Mouse. And I never drew Mickey Mouse before in my life. I was intimidated again and I turned to walk out of the room. And the guy whose room it is walks in at that moment. And I bumped into this guy. go, hey, man, I'm sorry. And he looks up at me and he says, how are you doing? (laughs) And I said, I'm good. What's your name? He says, my name's Jason. But people call me Mickey Mouse Jason. I'm like, they call you what? He goes, Mickey. I'm like, I heard you. You have a Disney nickname. He's like, what? You don't? I'm like, no. (laughs) I go back to my dorm room. I get on the phone with my mom. I'm like, mom. If I'm going to fit in an art school here, I need a Disney nickname. I need Mickey Mouse slippers. I was surrounded by people that wanted to work at Disney. And as a matter of fact, a week later, a representative from the Walt Disney Company came to our school. We sat in an auditorium and he got up on that stage. And like you said perfectly in the intro of this episode, he looked out to over 700 students, every freshman, sophomore, junior and senior. And he said to us, how many of you want to be Disney animators? And every hand went up. This is before Pixar existed. This is before DreamWorks existed. There was no such thing as Netflix. He said, if you want to work at Disney, just so you know, it's so competitive. And out of the 750 of you, whatever, who have your hand up right now, maybe, just maybe four of you will ever work there. That's how competitive it is. And like you said earlier, when he said that, I just thought, I wonder who the other three are going to be. Oh because in gosh. life, right, you either believe in yourself that you can accomplish or you don't. And for whatever reason, whether it was my supportive parents or friends, at that point in my life, I was inspired and I was motivated and I believed in myself. And then he said, if you want to work at Disney, you got to get the internship. No internship, no Disney. And in order to get the internship, and I'm sitting on the end of my seat, Candace, I'm listening to every word. I can't even believe I'm in this room. He says, if you want the internship, you need a portfolio, 25 pages filled with figure drawing and anatomy. So what's figure drawing? Just life drawing, drawings of humans and animals drawn from life. He said, we don't want to see any cartoon characters. And especially, he says, no drawings of Mickey Mouse. (laughs) <laughs> and I remember looking and there's Mickey Mouse, Jason in the back of the auditorium, you know, and you could see him like slouching his chair. Oh, boy. You know, <laughs> but for me, that equation that I spoke about earlier was was growing. First, it was Saul. Go to one of these schools will equal dream. Now it's Saul at the school. You need a portfolio, 25 pages of hundreds of drawings from life of humans and animals. And I walked out of there with the recipe even more focused And I was more motivated to get my dream. Oh, I love all of that. And I just have to say, I love your mother. Like what I want to do for kids, like I'm taught for nine years and I go in and I show the students the Doritos commercial where the pigs can fly. And I say, you can absolutely do anything you set your mind to. 
if there's the internet, if there's been a man on the moon and pigs can fly. And I show them that little boy, he wants a Dorito so bad from his older brother. So he creates the rocket ship and the pigs flying in the sky and he gets his Dorito. I love it. It's like, you can do anything that you absolutely want to. And when you have that mindset, like your mother could have so easily been like, Sal, okay, keep dreaming. Like this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. She took you to Disney. She asked, um, she asked around, how does my son get to be a Disney animator? Like when you have those people standing beside you and behind you, then the momentum just speeds up. Like I just so true. It's so true. And you know what? Some of you listening right now, maybe you do have a supportive mom, maybe you have a supportive dad, maybe you don't, maybe you have a supportive friend. It's so important to find people to surround ourselves who will be mentors, who will teach us, who will encourage us, because truthfully, everybody has doubt. Everybody has what I call the shoulder angel and the shoulder devil, that shoulder angel telling us that we can accomplish great things, that we can have the best, wonderful life. But then there's also that other voice that we have that tells us you, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? That's for people like, you know, Kim Kardashian. She can look that beautiful. She can go be famous. She can go. And I'm not even saying that's a wonderful life. I'm not I'm not judging her either way. But, you know, who, who are you to be think that you could be Steve Jobs? Who are you to think that you could be whoever? You're just a normal person. You're going to be average. But the truth is, we all can do it because all of those people who have achieved great things started out just like you and me like a normal kid who just had an interest in something and said, you know what, I'm going to work hard for that. And uh, I thank you for underlining that, uh, highlighting that about my mom. Yeah. She really is an amazing person. She's an amazing grandmother. You should see how she is with my grand, with my kids. We have four kids and she's such a wonderful, nurturing, encouraging uh, person to me now still. And uh, yeah, that's, that's been a great thing. And, you know, I'll tell you another person that really had a big impact on me that first week in school after the Disney guy said, you know, you need a portfolio of figure drawing. Well, at that point, I met this guy, Andy, uh, who was really one of the best artists in the school uh, as a freshman. And this guy never stopped drawing Candace. He was constantly drawing. And I can tell you that me being friends with someone like that made me a better artist, you know, and it wasn't just because he was a good artist. Forget that. It was that he had the right mindset he knew not to be lazy when assignments were handed out. You know, there's a lot of other kids that were sitting in the hallway smoking pot and blowing off their artwork. Andy was drawing and he and I would draw together all the time. We'd go play basketball together. And when we weren't playing basketball, we would sketch people playing basketball. We'd walk around Columbus, Ohio at night when the whole city was like asleep. We'd bring sketchbooks and we would draw benches and street lights and just draw and talk. And I want you to know and all your listeners to know that it's so important to choose friends that have the right values and mindset, because who we choose to be friends with actually affects who we become, who we choose to be friends with actually affects who we become. Think about that. Think right now in your life about the people that you're friends with, people that you spend time with. It's so easy for their values and what's important to them to rub off on us. So we need to choose our friends wisely. And I can tell you, just being friends with Andy made me a much better artist. Sophomore year came. 
I took my best drawings together. I sent them into Disney and I waited and I got a letter that uh, it was on Disney stationery. I remember it had like a gold leaf Mickey embossed on there. And I was just happy that the Disney company knew I was alive, right? They had my name typed on an envelope. I'm like, wow. I opened up that letter. Saul, thanks for sending your portfolio in, but unfortunately you didn't make it. All right, so I was rejected. Look, I didn't expect to get in the first time. I just wanted to kind of go through that process, Candace. So I took that letter from Disney. I put it up over my wall, you know, because they knew I was alive, you know, and people were coming into my dorm room. They're like, wow, Saul, blink off. You're so lucky. I mean, Disney company knows you're alive. You're so lucky. And another year goes by and Andy and I are constantly drawing. And Andy didn't try the first time when I tried. He was waiting till his junior year. So now the junior year comes, third year of college. And Andy and I are getting our drawings together. And I remember so vividly, and look, Candace, you're in Alberta, so you know what cold is. Uh, in Ohio, in the wintertime, that winter was a freezing, freezing winter, bitter, bitter cold. And there was a day when our art instructor took all of our us in one of the figure drawing classes to the zoo to draw animals. And, you know, if you guys think about watching a Disney movie, you watch a movie like Lion King. How do you think these Disney animators even know how to draw, let's say, an elephant? You don't just wake up, have a white piece of paper. And as a Disney artist, you can draw anything in the world. You have to study each animal's anatomy. So I would study animal anatomy at my college dorm the night before for weeks with figure drawing books for animals, you know, animal drawing books and animal muscles, skeletals and all that. And then we'd go to the zoo and try to draw animals from life. So this one day, freezing cold day, we go to the zoo. I think there's about 15 of us that day. We get to the zoo. And the right when we get there, just to get off the school bus and go in, it was so cold. We all went right into this cafe. There was a Wendy's cafe there. And we go in there and we're getting coffee and hot chocolate and just trying to warm up. After about five minutes, Andy and I go out and we walk around the zoo and we find there's these elephants and there's one elephant that's literally walking back and forth for like 20 minutes. It's the greatest thing in the world. Now, why is that great for an animator? Because the animal is repeating the same movement over and over. And that gives us people that are studying movement and drawing the ability to watch that animal's anatomy repeat the same thing over and over. So we can do constantly do drawings of that walk cycle of him walking and seeing how the trunk moves and the legs. It was incredible. So we stood there freezing, drawing elephants for almost an hour. After that hour, we get back on the bus. We're like, oh, my gosh, we got to go. We get to the bus. Everyone's getting on the bus. And now Andy and I are showing each other our drawings. I'm like, oh, look, I did these. He's like, oh, I did these from this angle. So cool. And then I said to some of the other kids, hey, we never saw you guys at the elephants. Like Andy and I were the only ones there. So I said to the other kids, like, what, what animals were you guys drawing? We eat the monkeys, we eat the gorillas. And this one guy looks to me and he's like, actually, none of us ever left the Wendy's. I'm like, what? You never drew any of the animals? He's like, no, we couldn't go. I said, what do you mean you couldn't go? Why not? He says, because it was too cold. And I will never forget. I'm telling you that story right now, Candace, and I get goosebumps. I remember the feeling when he said that. And I thought to myself, I'm going to get into Disney. Because the difference between people that accomplish and don't, everyone talks about what they're going to do. But the people that really accomplish will brave the cold. You know what cold represents? It represents struggle, pain, discomfort. You find anybody in life that's achieved anything that's worth something. And you know what they all have in common? 
They went through struggle. They got out of their comfort zone. They went through pain. And those people that can do that, those are the people that get to the top of the mountain. Let me tell you, I'm not just talking about Disney. Let's put that away for a second. Let's talk about anything in life. You know, relationships, marriage. My wife and I are married 20 years. We have, thank God, an incredible marriage. You know why? Not because it's painful. Marriage shouldn't be painful, but there will be struggles along the way. Of course, there have been struggles along the way. And when it gets cold, we work through it anyway, because we have this dream to make a great life together, that we want to build a home together. And when you have the mindset that there's going to be challenges, it empowers us to be able to motivate, to step through that pain and accomplish. And Andy and I took those portfolios and we sent them into Disney, Candace, and we waited. And, you know, look, I can tell you at this point, everyone in the school knew there's going to be two people that are going to get into Disney. It's going to be Saul and Andy because these guys never stop drawing. And I went from being one of the worst artists in the school to one of the best artists in the school. Thank God again for Andy. So uh, he was just a, such an influence to me. So what happens? Well, I get a call one day and Andy and I both went home. I went home to New York. He went home to Mississippi where he was from. And it was, uh, I think it was like January, February. And I get a call from him. I'm like, Hey man, what's up? He's like, blink off. You're not going to believe this. I'm like, what am I not going to believe? He goes, I just got a call from the head of recruiting at Disney. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, I got it. I said, you got what? He goes, I got the internship. They called me. They said, I got it. I'm like, what? I couldn't believe it, Candace. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. He's like, but they didn't call you yet. I'm like, no, but, but they could be trying to call me right now. I got to hang up. We didn't have call waiting back then. Right. So I hang up the phone. I'm pacing in my dining room back and forth. My mom comes in at that moment. My dad, like, honey, what happened? My mom, Andy got into Disney. She starts walking back and forth with me. We're waiting for that phone to ring. And the phone's not ringing. And I'm waiting. I'm like, the phone's on my mom. Did you pay the phone bill? Like, why, why is it not ringing? So what I did, Candace, I picked up the phone and I dialed ahead of Disney myself. I called them up myself. Who does that? Well, I did. And you know why I did? Because when there's something you want in your life, you will do anything to get it. You know, anyone listening right now, anytime you ever hear anything that inspires you, you read a book, you hear a podcast, a TED Talk lecture, if you hear something that inspires you, you hear wisdom that sounds like it's true to you, you need to write it down. You need to write it down and put it up over your bed, over your desk. You need to look at it. We all do. That way, the inspiration doesn't fall through our fingertips. That means we can remind ourselves of it and try to turn it into something to affect how we live, like what Candace was saying earlier. So that's a line you want to write down. When there is something you want in your life, you will do anything to get it. There's no such thing as can't. We will strive to do what we want. And, you know, I can tell you when I remember experiencing that, maybe one of the first time I was uh, I think it was about 13 years old. I was in New York at a New York Knicks game. Uh, it was right before the game. They were about to play the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan. I'm standing next to the court, beginning of the game, next to my older brother, and we're watching Michael Jordan warm up. Did I mention it's Michael Jordan? Okay. <laughs> and he's got those like breakaway pants that the basketball players wear with the buttons. And he's dribbling that ball. And he had a game face, Candace, like a focus on his face. I will never forget like that focus. And I said to my older brother, I'm like, Jay, 
I'm going to walk out in that court right now. He's like, what do you, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm going to walk out on the court and I'm going to go meet Michael Jordan. My brother's like, are you crazy? You're not going to do that. And before he could finish that sentence, Candace, I walk out on the court and I walk out and I'm looking up to number 23, Michael Jordan. And I said to him, I said to him, hi, Mr. Jordan. And he looked down at me and said, quote, yo, how you doing? End quote. Those are the words he used. And I was, you know, I was 13 years old. And he shook my hand. He shook my hand, which I never washed to this day. It still has that number <laughs> 23 sweat. But you know, why I walked out there because when there's something you want in your life, you will do anything to get it. And uh, that's why I called up the head of Disney because I wanted to find out that I get in. And I got this guy on the phone. He goes, oh, Saul, I have your name on a list here. I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah, you didn't make it. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, yeah, you didn't get it. I'm like, what, what, what about Andy? He goes, yeah, he got it. You didn't. I was like, oh, okay, thanks. And I hung up the phone. And that was, that was the most bittersweet moment of my life. Why was it sweet? Because I was very happy for my best friend. Why was it bitter? Because my dream was shattered. Andy's going to the happiest place on earth. That's what they call Disney World. Sunny, beautiful Orlando, the happiest place on earth. I'm going back to Ohio in the wintertime, what I thought was the most depressing place on earth. And I got back to school and I'm walking the halls of the school and everyone's coming up to me. They're like, blink off. What are you doing here? I thought you got, oh, you didn't make it. Oh, they're like, where's Andy? I'm like, oh, he got in. They're like, oh, wow, he got in. But you, I became known as the guy that was friends with the guy that got into Disney. I became known as a guy who didn't get what he really, really wanted. And I was known as a loser. That's how I felt. I felt like a failure every day, every day, everybody who came up to me, I just felt like a failure. And um, then I came up with the most brilliant way to take that feeling of being a failure away. And this is something I want everyone listening to remember really clearly. So if you're driving in your car right now, I need you to pull your car over. That's right. Just pull it right over. If you're uh, in your kitchen cooking, you threw on a podcast, I need you to stop stirring the soup, whatever you're doing. Stop dicing the onion. Okay. Whatever you're, stop folding the laundry. Just sit for literally 10 seconds and hear me, please. This is, this is what I want you to walk away. Forget everything I've set up until here. You walk away. I want you to remember this. It's so important. If you ever have a time in your life where you feel like a failure, that you're a person that didn't accomplish and you feel like a failure and you hate that feeling, you hate that dark cloud that's over you and you want to take that feeling away, you do what I did in that moment and that feeling goes away in a second. You know what I did? I gave up. I gave up on my entire dream. Instead of being known as the person that really wanted something who didn't get it, I took away the fact that I really wanted something. You see, that's what most people do in life. They may start out with a goal, a dream. It gets a little difficult. And then they're like, you know what? That's not for me. I gave up on my dream. I gave up on all of it because reality set in. Reality was Andy was an awesome artist and I was just me. I was just average. And I gave up on my whole dream. And telling you that now, and I remember those feelings I had, the emotion of it. That was a very freeing feeling, but thank God I really didn't give up forever. You see, there was something else that inspired me, thank God. And I'm so happy that this next step in my story did happen 
or I'd be not on this podcast today. And you wouldn't want to hear my story about how someone just gave up on his dream. You wouldn't want to hear that. But I want you to know, everyone listening, that we're all the same. Don't think that people that do great things are any different than you. Nobody wakes up great at anything. Michael Jordan became great because he took 100 jump shots every day before breakfast. You know, we all have to struggle through something. And I gave up on my dream. A buddy calls me up a week later and says, Saul, I got tickets to go see a movie. You want to go? I'm like, nah, I'm not in the mood. He goes, but they're free. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go. <laughs> you know, when you're in college, someone offers you free, you take it, right? So, Candace, I go to the movies and I see a movie about a guy who's five feet tall. He doesn't have an ounce of athletic ability and he wants to play football at Notre Dame. What movie is it, Candace? Let's see if you know. Rudy. Boom. Have you seen that movie? I have not, but it's mm. on my list. No, no, no. It's on your list for today. Today. <laughs> today. This is the movie. If you guys are listening and you haven't seen this movie, I'm getting goosebumps right now for one reason, because I love that Candace is going to see this movie at least soon, Candace. Okay. You're going to love it. Guys listening, women, guys, this movie is, uh, this is a true story about a guy who's five feet tall. He doesn't have an ounce of athletic ability and he wants to play football at one of the best universities at the time, Notre Dame. And if you were friends with someone like that, and he told you, my dream is to play football in Notre Dame, you know what you would have told him? Dude, I love you. Get a new dream. But you know what Rudy said? Oh, yeah? Well, we'll just see about that. Now, remember, this movie is a true story. This, this really happened. This guy lived, okay? And he tries to get into Notre Dame, and he gets rejected. And he tries a second year, rejected. But third year? rejected but fourth year you know if you look at the movie poster for the movie rudy it says when people tell you dreams don't come true tell them about rudy he gets into notre dame and i remember at the end of the movie candace i am crying tears are streaming down my face watching this movie and i'm thinking one thing if an unathletic kid could get into notre dame with an insane amount of hard work then what I thought was an untalented artist like me could get into Disney with an insane amount of hard work. And I vowed never to give up again. And then I called up Disney the next day. I got the head of Disney on the phone again. I'm like, hi, this is Saul. He goes, Saul, I spoke to you a week ago. What are you calling me back for? I said, can I ask you a question? How close was I? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, how many interns did you pick? He said, well, we picked 17 from 3,800 portfolios around the world, and you made it to number 20. I'm like, what? What? I missed it by three? Do you know how many times in our lives we could be so close to achieving something and we feel we're miles away and all we needed to do was push just a little bit more? And then I asked him the million-dollar question. Why did I not get in? Why? Why did I fail? Everyone listening right now, you know that we're going to fail in life. You know why? Because we're humans. That's what it means to be human. It means to fail. You know, every kid, every one of us that knows how to walk today, you know what we first did? We fell and we got back up. You know, when you watch kids take that round blocks and try to put it in a square hole, it doesn't work. But after you fail, you say, oh, it doesn't work. Let me try it over here. Failure 
is not just something that happens. It has to happen so that we can learn and we can grow. And after I saw that movie, Rudy, that inspired me to call Disney and I got the guy on the phone and I asked him that question. Why did I fail? Because if you find out why you fail, that is the answer key to growing. And he told me, you need more perspective in your drawing. Don't just draw the model, the person, the animal, whatever you're drawing from where you're sitting. Get up, move around, stand on top of a ladder. Give us a dynamic perspective. We want to see more dynamic perspective in your work. And I was like, thank you. Answer key to growing. So I go to figure drawing class the next day and I get this giant box. It was like five feet up. I stood on this box, put it in the middle of the room. And there was this figure drawing model in the middle of the room. And I'm looking down at her. My head's like 20 feet up in the air. And I'm looking down at her drawing. And she's looking up at me like I'm crazy. And I still remember some guys in the back of the room making fun of me. I remember them saying, like, hey, look at the dork standing up on the box. Do you think I cared what they thought? You think I'm going to be like, oh, you know what? I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend you guys. Let me get down. I, I want to fit in. Who cares what they think? We need to stop letting other people define how we feel about ourselves. You hear that, people? Don't let anyone define how you feel about yourself. You know who should define how you feel about yourself? You. And I knew standing up on there that, yeah, it was a little bold. I was standing up in the room. No one had done that before. But I knew it was the right thing to do because Disney said, if you want to be a Disney animator, you better give me something dynamic. And that's what I was doing. So I got those drawings together, Candace. And um, I, uh, I got that portfolio. And uh, I was about to send it into Disney, but was told that I wasn't allowed. Listen to this. This is crazy. Beauty and the Beast had just come out. And it was just nominated for a Best Picture Oscar. And because of it, there was so much publicity around Disney animation that Disney was getting flooded with portfolios. It was now so much more competitive. And they had a new system. They were going to send a representative from the Disney company to our school. That representative was going to meet with the artists in the school who the school thought were the best artists. And if that Disney person likes your work, he'll send it to the studio in Florida for another round of review. So this guy comes to our school. His name is Bill Matthews. He was one of the original animators on Sleeping Beauty, had a big white beard, very intimidating looking guy. And they call me first that day for the interview. It was alphabetical, I guess. My last name begins with B. And I go into this office and Bill Matthews, original animator from Sleeping Beauty, he used to be friends with Walt Disney. He takes my portfolio and he starts looking through it. And he goes, Saul, my boy. That's how he talked. He had the coolest voice. Saul, my boy, I like your drawings. I'd like to send your portfolio to Florida for further review. Would you like that? I'm like, would I like that? Yes. Yes, I would like that. And I hand him my portfolio. And Candace, as I hand him the portfolio, I don't let go. I'm clutched on it. And so is he. And we are in this tug of war. I'm in a tug of war with a 70 year old man. With my part. He's like, Saul, my boy, what are you doing? And I yanked it out of his hands. This is a true story. I yanked it right out of his hands. And I said, Bill, let me ask you a question. Where are you going after this school? He goes, well, I'm going to this school. I'm going then. I go, so when do you actually need to have it in Florida? He's like, well, not for two more weeks. Why? I said, because any drawing I do tomorrow has to be better than every drawing that's in this book. And if I have two more weeks, I can do better work. He said, here's the address. Send it to me. No problem. 
You see, when I got rejected from Disney, when I failed, of course, that's a time to find out why. But even when Disney said they liked my work, I knew that I could do better. I knew that I could do better. All I wanted is all I wanted him to say when I walked in that room was, Saul, I like your work. We want to send your portfolio to Florida. That's exactly what he said. This is one of the most incredible moments of my life. For the first time, someone loved my artwork that wasn't my mom. Do you understand? Like, this is Disney. This is, to me, Walt Disney himself is saying, I like your artwork. I want to send your portfolio. But I knew that I could do better. And before I walked out of that room, I even asked him the question, Bill, any ideas what I could do to make my work better? He goes, Saul, your work's great. I'm like, no, 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 but I'm not perfect. What can I do to be better? Because in life, not only do we want to find out when we fail, what we can do, but even when we're doing great, still look out for ways to grow. I can guarantee when Steve Jobs finished creating the first iPhone, he probably brought his whole team around and said, guys, women, everybody, congratulations. You created this incredible thing. Tell me tomorrow how we're going to make it better. Michael Jordan had the best game, but he still wanted to get better. So then the guy, Bill Matthews, says to me, yeah, you know what you should do in your portfolio? Put in effects. I'm like, what's that? So when you guys watch a movie like Lion King, it's raining, there's fire, there's water, there's smoke. That's a, divi- that's a division of animators called effects animators. He's like, why don't you put some of that in your portfolio? I'm like, thank you. Answer key. Go back to my dorm room. I set up a pot with a faucet and filled it with water. And I just set the faucet so little drops would come out. And I'm just watching how those water ripples happen and splashes. And I did drawings of splashes. I set up a candle and I lit the candle. And I did drawings of how that flame would dance on top of that wick. As a matter of fact, I took the entire portfolio that I'd worked so hard for, for those years. And I put it under my bed and I said, what if it doesn't even exist? Can I actually create a new portfolio in two weeks? That's exactly what I did. Because what I did not want to happen was me to do that portfolio and do those couple new drawings of effects and send it into Bill Matthews. Why? Because that's what he was expecting. You think I want him to get that portfolio and go, oh, Saul, nice guy from Ohio. I remember him. Oh, look, I remember that drawing. I remember, oh, look, and he did some effects in there, just like I asked. That's not what I wanted to happen because that's what he was expecting to happen. What I wanted to happen was him to get a portfolio and go, oh, Saul, nice guy from Ohio. I remember him. Opens up the portfolio and, and he goes, wait a minute. I never saw that drawing before. I never saw that. He did a whole new portfolio and the effects because I didn't want him to just judge my drawings. I wanted him to know about me because in life, we always want to and get ready to write these words down, everybody. These are two words that will game change your life, game change every aspect of your life. Two words, exceed expectations, exceed expectations. It goes for everything in life. Instead of giving him what he wanted, I wanted to give him more. Somebody wants you at work at 9 o'clock, you get there at 8.50. They want you to accomplish 10 problems, you do 12. It's the same thing in marriage and relationships. My wife could be like, oh, honey, can you stop by the supermarket and pick up what I need? I'm cooking dinner tonight. I'm like, sure. And I come home, and I'm about to pull into our driveway, and I could be like, wait a minute. You know what? I think she's got clothes at the dry cleaner. Let me pick those up for her also. Oh, but she didn't ask me to. Imagine it is I walk into the front door. My honey, I got the food you wanted from the supermarket. Oh, thanks, honey. Oh, you know what else I got? Boom. Dry cleaning. Exceed expectations. Now, husband of the year. (laughs) 
husband of the year. It shows her, I really care. Always exceed expectations. Whatever bar anyone else sets for you, always have the mindset that you're going to do more. And if you do that, you will grow as a human being. So I uh, send that portfolio into Bill Matthews and to Disney. And I waited two weeks, three weeks. It turned into two months. You ever have to wait to find out something big, like big news? It's excruciating. I remember my mom would call me. She'd be like, honey, I know you're going to get in. I'm like, mom, you have to say that. You're my mom, <laughs> you know? And then finally, one day, I got a call, and it was Andy on the phone. I'm like, hey, man. He's like, blink off. You're not going to believe this. I'm like, what am I not going to believe? He goes, they built a brand new wing on the studio, like a brand new wing for the next interns. He's like, it's beautiful. I'm like, wow. He goes, you deserve to be there. I'm like, thanks, man. He goes, and they also built a basketball court just for Disney animators, and you deserve to play on that court. I'm like, wow, amazing. Thank you. He goes, but there is one more thing. I said, what? He says, they put up a piece of paper with a list of the next interns. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, you're on the list. I'm like, what? He goes, you did it. I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you. He's like, what are you thanking me for? You did it. I got in. I hang up the phone. I go over to my tape player. I hit play. And at the top of my lungs, it's the circle of life. And it moves. That's all right. People listening right now, you don't know what tapes are. They play music. This is before MP3s, okay? Before iTunes, right? And at the top of my lungs, I'm singing. People are leaning inside. Blinkoff got in. Amazing. I get on the phone. I dial my mom. Can you imagine how fast I dialed my parents? And my mom could hear it in my voice. She's like, honey, did you do it? And I said, no, mom. We did it. We did this. My mom, mom, you took me to Disney World and you took me to this art school. But this winter, you can stay in New York because I'm going to the happiest place on earth. And I got into Disney and uh, I flew down to Disney World and someone picked me up at the airport with one of those signs with my name on it that had Mickey Mouse pointing to my my name. I'm like, wow, this is Disney. And they drive me to Disney World to the Disney MGM Studios, which today is called Disney Hollywood Studios. And at that time, there used to be a Disney animation studio there that had a tour that you could look through the glass and watch animators working. And I remember walking into this building and there was a sign above that said artist's entrance. And I walked in there and I couldn't believe I was finally there. And I look into this one room and we go into this room and there's, it's a small room, but there's like 15 desks in there. This is before computer animation. There's our hand-drawn animation desks. And in the corner is a desk with my name already written out, like printed on this metal thing. Saul Blinkoff, kid from New York. And I want all of you listening to just remember one important thing here. You didn't hear the story of a really talented guy who got into Disney. You heard the story of a person who was average, a person who was not the best artist in the school, a person who failed considerably throughout his life. But you heard from someone who decided, who made a decision in his mind that nothing was going to get in his way to accomplish that goal because nobody wakes up great at anything. If you're listening now and you have a goal, and we all do, and even if you're successful in your career, what's the next goal? And I'm not talking about career and I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about in life. What's the next goal? How do we take our lives to the next level? 
it's going to take that struggle. It's going to take that exceeding expectations. It's going to take that surrounding ourselves with people to elevate us. But there's nothing stopping us from ever achieving that great life but us. And I hope that each one of you hears this story and feels more motivated to be able to accomplish and ultimately to grow. Oh my God. <laughs> like that right there. Um, yeah, I hope everybody sat down for the hour and wrote some notes or listen again. Just absolutely incredible. I just want to highlight one thing that you said, which recently, I don't even know where I saw it or heard it, but back when you said about surrounding yourself with five or with people who, um, are doing great things, cheerleaders, like you're, you're like the five people you hang out with. And one thing I ran into recently was you're one of those people. So you hang out with yourself more than you hang out with anybody. So if your mindset isn't on fire, if you don't have that belief in yourself, if you're, um, not in a space where you believe that you can hit all of your dreams, then you need to figure out and do some work on that because it is your mindset that kept pulling you forward over and over and over again. And your determination to get there, like you said, we're, we're all human. I feel like that also we're not, there's no pedestals where we don't, we're not born superhuman. Some of us are just willing to, um, keep going when the conditions aren't perfect. Yeah. When things are great, it's easy to, to flow down the stream, but when the conditions aren't perfect, that's when it really matters. So I just absolutely love every single second um, of chatting with you. And I have a few final questions before, um, sure. we close off, but ah, freaking amazing. Like I just can't even say it enough. <laughs> Thank you so much, Candice. <laughs> Your energy is awesome. And I'm so excited that you and I got to meet and uh, I urge all of your listeners to please share this podcast, share Candice's work and all her other episodes with your friends and listen and re-listen. And as you build this community of people that are like-minded, you'll find yourself becoming more and more motivated. So thank you to you, Candace, for the impact you're making uh, into all of the lives of your listeners. Uh, you're really changing the world. So well done. Well, thank you. Okay. So my first question is, have you run into anyone through the years that resembles your younger self that you were able to pass along advice to, to help make their dreams a reality? I guess- wow. Give yeah, them the recipe. Almost a hundred billion times, yes. I always see myself in, in young artists a lot. Um, I want to tell you something. This is um, this is something I've thought about a lot. When I meet people who are really Disney fans or Pixar fans, or a person that's motivated to work for any company or whatever it is, there is something I always tell them, and I reflect on my own life. You know, that time I. I didn't get into Disney the second time and I got rejected and I gave up. That was a dark time for me. It was right before I saw that movie, Rudy, which Candace will be watching tonight, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Rudy, Rudy. And um, oh, by the way, Rudy Rudiger, the real Rudy Rudiger was the very first guest I ever had on my podcast. I have a podcast called Life of Awesome 
where I share stories and interview people. And Rudy Rudiger was the first guest I ever got on my podcast. It was incredible. Can you imagine how excited I was to tell him of the impact he made on my life? So please check out that episode. You guys will will hopefully really enjoy that. But what I wanted to tell you is, um, yeah, if I could go back to myself, in a time machine, you know, Doc Brown gets the DeLorean, right? And I go back to myself in that time in my life when I gave up. And I remember being on the phone with my sister one day during that time. And I said to her, you know, if I could sit at a desk and draw Mickey Mouse every day for the rest of my life, I would be happy. That's the words I used in that sentence. And I remember it so vividly. I could, I would be happy. And I think that's the goal we all have in life. If you ask 99% of the world, what do you really want? Everybody wants to be happy. That's the ultimate goal that I think most of us are striving for. And I put my own happiness uh, on the contingency that Disney would accept me. I gave them that control over my happiness. And the truth is, if I could go back to myself, the advice I would give myself and that I often give lots of other people is, you know, don't think that you have to have that goal to be happy. It's not like, oh, if I'm at Disney, I would be happy. You can be happy along the way. You can feel content along the way. It's not just the end result that will ultimately make you happy. Because once you get to that finish line, there will be new goals and new challenges. We're never satiated. We will never wake up and say, I have enough meaning. I have enough impact. I have enough of what I want to do. No one will ever have enough. Can someone ever tell you I love you too many times? No, you can never have enough. I can tell you being a father with four kids, I can never have enough time with my kids. I want more. Happiness doesn't come from that end result. Happiness should never be contingent on outside experiences. Happiness really is waking up and having the clarity of what I'm working towards. Listen to that carefully. It's waking up and going, oh, you know what? I'm working towards this. That should give me that emotional rush of something that's actually more important than happiness. That's the other point I wanted to make is that happiness really shouldn't be the goal. I know some of you are listening like, what are you talking about? What do you you mean? What's better than happiness? You see, going for a life of happiness isn't always good because what makes you happy may not be what's good for you. Think about it. I'm a dad. My kids are driving me crazy. It would make me happy to leave the house, get in a car and drive away for a week. It made me happy, but that doesn't mean it's good for me. It doesn't mean it's good for them. There's a goal I think that's a little loftier than happiness. And that's a goal of meaning, living a life of meaning, waking up and knowing not that I'm going to go into the world and try to get what I want, but I'm going to try instead to give because only when we give to the world, do we create a life of meaning. Winston Churchill had a beautiful quote. He said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Okay, so I work at Disney. Big deal. Like, big deal. Big deal. There's a lot of people that work at Disney. So Michael Jordan played basketball. So all these great people did whatever they did. Big deal. That doesn't mean you're going to be happy. 
It's do I wake up every day and go, okay, so I'm at Disney. What can I do to help other people get into Disney? That's their goal. Or what can I do to help other people find what lights them up? You know, how do I use that ability to take responsibility to help other people? That ultimately, I think, will bring a better life and more of a life of meaning. And I urge everybody out there, if you're listening, to not just put your dreams and goals into the hands of another person, someone else, but figure out what it is you want and focus on the why that you want that. You know why I want to work at Disney? Not so I could sit at a desk and draw Mickey Mouse all day. I want to work there because I believe in the values of that company. And I want to be part of a company that's going to share this light and these values with the world and hopefully impact the world. Not just because I like to sit at a desk drawing Mickey Mouse all day, which by the way, I do love to do. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Okay. So that leads perfectly to my next question. Which Disney character are you most like? Okay. So the reality, I'll tell you who I think I'm like, and then I'll tell you who my wife and kids would tell you I'm like. I think I look and I think I'm exactly like Aladdin. Obviously, I'm Prince (laughs) Ali. Right? I mean, that's absolutely obviously that's who I am. That's the character. People are, are you Aladdin? You look just like it. I don't look anything like Aladdin. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, she's got these eyes and this hair. Wow. Right. Remember those scenes when he sees Jasmine? I love it. Uh, but my kids and my wife would tell you that I look more like, um, uh, well, there's two characters. One, there was a movie Treasure Planet. If anybody even heard of that movie, it didn't do so well. But the main character, oh, no, was it not Treasure Planet? Atlantis. That was the one. There's a movie. Did you ever hear that movie, Candace, that Disney made a movie? Atlanta? No, you see, <laughs> it didn't even do well. <laughs> there was a character, the main character in the Disney movie Atlantis. He's got these glasses. Uh, I think Michael J. Fox did the voice for him. Um, that's the one I really looked exactly like at the time. But the other one that I would tell you that I'm most like is probably uh, Ichabod Crane. from from legend of sleepy hollow uh ichabod crane he's tall and lanky and loves to eat constantly that's that's pretty much me (laughs) love it okay so you have four children Mm -hmm. if you had to choose to leave them one of them if i had to choose one of them who's my favorite is that the question favorite absolutely Uh, (laughs) (laughs) no favorites no favorites no favorites if you had to choose uh, individual messages you could only leave them each with one lesson or message or piece of advice, would you leave them each with an individual message and what would it be? Or would you take four pieces of advice and leave the four pieces with all of the children? I I will give them one message. There's really one, one message, one message only that I would share. And, And that is the message. If you hear my story, and everything that I've said, um, I think it's the most important message to walk away with. And actually, I kind of hinted at it, but I didn't really drive it home. Let me drive it home. You know, you, you talked about my kids and someday, and I hope this doesn't sound morbid or dark, but someday I'm going to be dead. It's going to happen to me. It's going to happen to all of us. And someday there's going to be a stone somewhere that has our names carved on it. And we're going to each leave a legacy to the world, whether it's to our kids or to people that knew us. And what do we leave them? You know, what, like you're saying, Kansas, what message do I give my kids? I don't want my kids to look at a stone one day and be proud that their dad worked really hard and got into Disney. Oh, his name was on the stone. It was also in the credits of Pocahontas and Mulan, Tarzan, because 
that's not the legacy that I really want to leave the world or them. What I want them to remember about their dad is that my dad tried to become a better human being. That's really the ultimate goal, I think, in life. You know, I talked about, you know, going for a life of meaning. I think the greatest challenge any of us will ever have is working on ourselves, trying to become a better parent, a better spouse, a better human being, a better friend, working on our own character flaws. That's really the greatest battle that any of us will ever fight. Don't think just because you become a Disney animator or you do anything that you think is great in life that you become a great person. I don't know what kind of father Steve Jobs was. I don't know what kind of husband Michael Jordan is or was or what kind of father he is. Michael Jordan was a great basketball player. Basketball is only one facet to the diamond that means Michael Jordan. If you think about a diamond, they get really bright when they have more facets. Disney is only one facet. That's part of my career. It has nothing to do with me as a father, as a husband, as a human being. Each one of us should work on ourselves completely as a human being and work on ourselves, become more humble, become more giving, make a list of everything negative about us. We all have negative attributes. And you know what life is about? Turn those negatives into strengths. That's the great battle in life. And if you think about it right now, Candace, each one of us could easily make a list of how people around us, around us should work on themselves. We all think we know how our parents should treat us better. If you're a teenager listening, you know that you wish your parent could treat you better like this. If you're a parent listening, you know that you wish your kid could change this way. If you work for an employer, we all have a list of how I wish my boss would treat me differently. We all have lists in our minds of how everyone around us should change. You get on an airplane, someone's sitting next to you. The only thing you're thinking is, oh, I hate that they're wearing that. They use too much perfume. Oh, they're sleeping with their mouth open. We all go around all day making these judgments of how everyone around us should change. You know what we should do, though? We should grow up and instead make a list about how we need to change. Because truthfully, the only person we can control at the end of the day is ourselves. And if you're trying to control someone else in marriage, that marriage isn't going to work. If you're trying to control your kids into becoming who you want them to be, you're going to have no relationship with your kids. At the end of the day, the one person we should control is the only person we can control ourselves. And that's the message I want to bring home, that each one of us should feel empowered to grow and to become the best version of ourselves. We're not human beings. We're human becomings. Oh my gosh. I love that. I think that's so true. My goodness. I want to be 95 year old. Like one thing that bothers me when people say, um, is like, oh, you know, I'm 65 and now this is just who, like, this is just who I am, who I am. Like, that's that's it. it. Right. I've done it all. Like I've lived to 65. That's it. I'm not changing. This is who I am. That's it. I want to be like 95 years old and still be growing and changing and, um, beautiful tweaking myself in all the areas that I need to, but yeah, that is, um, I do like how you highlighted all of the different areas because yeah, I have lots of great, um, strengths in certain areas, but there is definitely a lot of things that I can work on. So I do love self-discovery and following that path. So I love how you brought up all the different areas. That's awesome. 
Okay. So for anyone out there with big audacious dreams, the next Disney animator, an aspiring female president or NASA's up and coming astronaut, where these dreams seem light years away, what would you say to them if they're just in the beginning of their journey? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, so often we get overwhelmed when we think about what that lofty goal is. Imagine you're standing at the base of a ladder and you look up to the ladder and there's a hundred rungs, you know, those wood things you step on, they're called rungs. There's hundreds of rungs that go all the way up, 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 up. And you see at the top, it's just this glow. Maybe it goes up to heaven. Like, wow, I want to go all the way up to the top of that mountain, whatever it is. We get so overwhelmed when we look at the top. Yes, you need to have the goal of what you're trying to accomplish. Now that you have that goal and you see the ladder in front of you, don't be overwhelmed with the entire ladder. Can you get to the top in one second? No, you can't jump to the top of that ladder. Nobody can. But you know what you can do? You can take one step. You can take one step on the ladder and you just take that one step up and you go, yeah, I did that. And after you take that step and you look down, you go, wow, look look where I started. I I was right down there. Now I'm here. Maybe I can do this. And you take the next step. And then you take the next step. And then one day you get to the top. You know, Mount Everest. I was obsessed with Mount Everest and all those documentaries about Mount Everest. And I don't know if anyone's seen them or they're like so dramatic. It's unbelievable to me that people would even go do this. And I think it's, it's, they, I think they should close off Everest, not let people climb it. I don't care how many people want to go up there because people are dying every year climbing Mount Everest, literally dying. People are getting frostbite. They're losing limbs and noses, and it's terrible. It's really it's a terrible thing. At the top of Mount Everest, there's a, the last like you know hour of the climb. It's called the death zone. And that's because people die, and they push your body to the side, And they can't take your body down. And there's literally frozen corpses all at the top of Everest. This is true. Go look it up, people. I don't make this stuff up. Right. And if anyone ever offers you a vacation destination, they say, by the way, we have something called the death zone. My suggestion is don't go. Okay, don't go to the death zone. But let's imagine that all of our listeners here, all your listeners, Candace, we took somehow a helicopter and put us at the top of Mount Everest. By the way, helicopters can't really go up there because of the air. That's why they can't rescue people. It's a whole other thing. But let's say, you know, Jeff Bezos or, you know, Elon Musk invents the helicopter that can go to the top of Everest. And that helicopter puts us at the top right there for one minute. Think about what that pleasure would taste like. Think about the view. We'd all take out our phones. We would take selfies, right? We'd post that later on in Instagram or Facebook to make all our friends jealous. Right. But after you'd be up there for a couple of minutes, remember, there's no Wi-Fi up there. There's no Starbucks up there. After about a minute of looking around at the view, you'd be like, all right, can we go back down now? Can we go down? But what if we actually decided not to helicopter up there? But what if we did decide to climb Everest together? You know, before you even get to climbing Everest, you're already thousands of feet up. You have to go to what's called base camp. You have to acclimate your lungs to the low oxygen at base camp. And then after you're there for two weeks, then they allow you to climb a little more. And if we did climb a little bit more up and up and up, and we did get to the top, you know what the pleasure would be like after climbing? It would be a hundred times more 
that if the helicopter dropped us on the top and the pleasure wouldn't be looking out and saying, wow, look how beautiful the sunset is. Look how beautiful it is. It's amazing. You know what the greatest pleasure would be? Looking down at base camp, that little speck and going, oh my gosh, that's where we started from. Look what I accomplished. You see, the opposite of pain is not pleasure. Listen carefully, people. The opposite of pain is not pleasure. The opposite of pain is comfort. It's not pleasure. True pleasure only comes from pain. Think about it for a minute. Ask your parents a question. Mom, dad, what is the greatest pleasure you've ever experienced in your life? You know what they'll tell you? Having children. What an incredible pleasure it is to have children. Now ask them this question. What's the greatest pain you've ever had in your life? You know what they'll tell you? Having children. Meaning that's the hardest work they ever did. Real pleasure comes from pain, from struggle. That is the message. So what everyone who's listening right now, you're starting out, whatever that first step is, set your goal at the top of that ladder and go, yeah, that's what I want to accomplish. And then focus on one step at a time. Take small steps. Have the discipline along the way. Know that it's going to be difficult. And because it's difficult, when you get to the top, you look back and you go, wow, that's real pleasure. You know, some days at the end of my day, my wife and I had a tough day with one of the kids or two kids fighting, yelling, whatever. But they all sleep at night. And sometimes we peek through their doorway and we see them sleeping so beautifully and quiet. And we're like, you know what? We could do this again tomorrow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that pleasure comes from knowing that we're working hard to become good parents, working hard at our relationship, working hard to become better human beings. Wow. Okay. We're going to leave it at that. So lastly, where can everybody find you and all of the amazing stuff that you're doing? Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, um, I live in LA, so you can find me there. Uh, usually I'm frequenting a, a coffee bean in Beverly Hills where I go get a nice hot coffee and sit and I work on movies that I'm writing or projects, you can find me there. Um, but you can, if you don't live in LA, you can find me on Instagram. So check me out there, Saul.Blinkoff. And Life of Awesome is the podcast. You can also find me there, Life of Awesome. Check out my podcast. I interview some incredible people. Some episodes are just me sharing ideas. Some are interviews with people. Um, I interviewed George Foreman. Some of you know him as the guy that created that grill. He's done so much more than just that grill. He was the heavyweight champion of the world. And his story is seriously the most unbelievable story. It makes my story look like I'm a huge failing nothing. He is, <laughs> oh, oh, his story inspired me, almost brought me to tears. He changed my life, that interview. So I urge people, listen to it. And when you get to the end, you will hear what I discovered about him, that not only did his kids not know, but no one has ever talked about this part of his life. I don't even think he realized what he did that was so amazing. And I uncovered it, discovered it. It blew me away. And uh, so check out George Foreman. What a great episode. There's another episode I did called The Simplest Things, where I just talk about what, how to wake up every day and just enjoy life and enjoy being alive. And my wife loves that episode. She says, honey, don't forget to tell them about the simplest things episode. So check that out. Life of awesome. And again, Candice, you are living a life of awesome. You're doing amazing things. And I'm so grateful that you and I got to connect and I hope to meet you in person one day. And I urge all of your listeners 
you know, share these episodes and write down things that mean something to you, put them up on your wall and feel empowered every day that each one of you is so unique. And because each one of you is unique, you have a unique purpose. Don't wake up and compare yourselves to other people. Every one of us needs to wake up and know because we are unique and there's no one like us, that we each have a unique voice and a unique role to play in humanity. And we shouldn't feel empowered to be able to share what makes us unique and special with the world. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I enjoyed every single second and I could just talk to you for hours and hours and hours. So <laughs> thank you for sharing um, with me and my audience. I really appreciate hanging with you today. Thank you, Candice. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of All Things Relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe.